conversations about bitcoins and sci-fi If you want, we can talk about real housewives Till we end up slow stroking with your mouth wide The world is yours, what I whisper as she grasps for air Makes me happy when it quiver from down under there Alright, and welcome back to Block Channel uh, We're here for episode 3 And we are in for quite a treat for this episode Uh Accompanying me today uh, is Demetric Ferguson and Corey Petty, uh, both from the Bitcoin Podcast. We're a big, happy family today. Um, guys, you want to go ahead and just introduce yourselves? Oh, yeah. I'm host number two, D. Mackie used my government name. Thanks, Mackie. Now I can't stay anonymous anymore. <laughs> now everyone knows who I am. <laughs> no. Well, back yeah, again. Was- so Post three. number three, Dr. Corey Petty from the Bitcoin podcast coming in to uh, oh, yeah. cash. Oh, yeah, Dr. Corey Petty. Excuse me. You're in the doctor this yeah, time. Throw it out sometimes. Occasionally, I <laughs> throw it out. I like got to sprinkle it in there. <laughs> and of course, you know, we're with our excellent guest today, uh, Zuko. Zuko, would you want to want to care to just uh, briefly introduce yourself uh, and, and, you know, t- sort of talk about your, your background? Uh, as you got into the cryptography space and, you know, just a quick rundown. Okay. Hi, I'm Zuko. Uh, my background, quick rundown, cryptography space. I discovered cryptography when I was about like 18 years old, I think. Um, it might have had to do with Phil Zimmerman um, publishing something called Pretty Good Privacy that I downloaded from a BBS on my home computer. Um, does that answer that? Mm-hmm. That's how I got started. And I've been lucky enough to work on cryptography for most of my career ever since. So as far as your um, uh, interest into Bitcoin, when exactly did your your interest come into Bitcoin and when did you start working on the projects that you're involved with now? Um, I was fascinated with the idea of internet money. Um, mm-hmm. since about 1993 or so when I got on the cypherpunks mailing list and I tried and tried to think of how to make decentralized internet money and couldn't figure it out and I kept trying yeah, for like more than a decade and never could figure out how to make decentralized internet money that could actually work and uh, then when I saw Bitcoin I assumed it couldn't work either because all of the other ideas I'd seen also didn't work uh, but I liked Bitcoin because it was actually implemented, unlike most ideas, which are just, you know, ideas, and because it had a community of people who loved it. So that those two things got my attention. Uh, and then when it turned out that it was actually working, then I became, then I fell in love with it. <laughs> and I got started in the current project because some um, scientists, not me, invented a way to have... Um, more efficient zero knowledge proofs, and that's a that's a a scientific innovation which could be used to make um, private transactions on a public blockchain. And these scientists came up with those two things: the the, the improved zero knowledge proofs and the protocol for putting private transactions on a public blockchain. And then they asked me if I could help make it get really implemented and, and really deployed to a wide community. And so that's how I got started on the, the Zcash project. I always had a, a, a curious like question on how you decided to go and, cre- and create Zcash. It was, your, was your original intention to make a separate blockchain or was it, did you, did you want to try and 
almost have, I don't want to say ad hoc, but add the functionality to a, a currently running public blockchain? Well, um, an earlier version of the protocol that was invented by the Zcash scientists uh, was presented, that thing, that earlier protocol was called ZeroCoin, and that was presented as a, a proposal for an upgrade to the Bitcoin protocol. So it was, it was presented as something that we could, we could, we could have a hard fork and upgrade the whole Bitcoin protocol. And then we could start having these new kinds of private transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain. And it was at the San Jose Bitcoin conference in 2013 that that invention was presented and that proposal was uh, aired. And the Bitcoin developers who were at that conference uh, said, we're not going to add this experimental and highly inefficient protocol into Bitcoin itself anytime soon. Um, but you but you should deploy that in an altcoin first and get it tested that way, and then we could reconsider. Um, by the That was before I joined the project. I was present at that conference, um, but this was before the Zcash project came together. So when, by the time that the Zcash project came together, which was late 2014, I guess, um, it was clear that we couldn't anytime soon have an upgrade to the Bitcoin protocol. It's a good way of putting it. It's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, it was clear that, that we couldn't do that at that time at least not within the foreseeable future. Now, it's still a possibility in the in the future. Like, uh, we've now done the first step of what the Bitcoin developers suggested at, at the San Jose Bitcoin Conference, which was if we've deployed this kind of protocol in an, uh, a different blockchain. So now well, if it proves out, speed. if it proves to be... What's that? Sorry, due to the speed of like how fast bitcoin moves is that kind of the way you you've moved into like baby zoe and these other kind of projects that maybe attempt to implement zero knowledge proofs into other public blockchains like ethereum um <clears throat> so yeah baby zoe is a thing that we contributed to that's uh sort of a prototype of a zcash like um system inside of ethereum and <clears throat> We did that not because the Bitcoin protocol evolves so slowly, um, but because Ethereum is amenable to, is easy to code for, right? It's easy to add, it's easy to write programs for, to, to add something into Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, I don't know. I mean, that, that project was came out of a hackathon that was... Uh, a, an academic cryptocurrency hackathon and i guess i wasn't there it was other members of the zcash team who contributed it so you know i think it's just there were a bunch of ethereum hackers there like vitalik buterin is a is a advisor to the zcash project and he was there and um you know socially ethereum folks make it easy to hack on stuff they're very encouraging and friendly and they encourage things like these hackathons we're also interested in make in doing that kind of extension to Bitcoin, like um, either contributing an actual protocol upgrade as, as as remote as a possibility as that seems at the moment. But if it became easier in the future to upgrade the Bitcoin protocol, we could try that. And then there's also um, notions like sidechains 
uh, of Bitcoin. But those are also currently not, they're currently still part of the future. They're currently not something you can do today. But uh, there is something we can do today, which is atomic cross-chain swaps. So we're working on that for both Bitcoin and for Ethereum. What? You know about cro is atomic cross-chain swaps? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Atomic cross-chain swaps. Well, we've got this uh, overarching project within Zcash project, which we call Project Alchemy. And the goal of Project Alchemy is to make it so that you can move, you can move money between Ethereum and Bitcoin and Zcash uh, in a decentralized, uncensorable way. Um, with no, you know, central server, without relying on any central server. And the um, <clears throat> you still have to find a, a counterparty who's willing to swap coins with you, but uh, you can use some kind of decentralized marketplace to find somebody who's got some Zcash and you've got some Bitcoin or some Ethereum, some Ether. And you agree, you know, I'll give you 20 of mine if you give me 10 of yours. And then you run this protocol called an atomic cross-chain swap that makes it so that if both parties press go, then um, the 20 ether goes over to the first guy and the 10 Zcash goes over to the second guy atomically. Um, and there's no chance for either party to sort of uh, pull out and take take the money from the other party. Make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, so that's that's a known protocol that there's actually a couple different ways to do it, but it's... It, it's pretty clear we can do that part. Then the um, the part that's not so clear is how do you find, you need some kind of decentralized marketplace where you find the counterparties and agree on a price. Um, mm -hmm. But maybe in the short term, we could use a centralized website like Shapeshift where, well, actually, maybe Shapeshift's a bad example because they don't have counterparties, do they? But you know, I don't know. There's um, a couple ways to do it. There are some decentralized projects out there um, like BitSquare is one. Yeah, the peer-to-peer exchange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like if you have a bunch of people using something like BitSquare, and if they have wallets that can speak both Bitcoin and Zcash protocols, mm -hmm. um, then we could put all that together, and you could have a um, safe, purely decentralized currency exchange between mm -hmm. Ethereum and Bitcoin and Zcash. Mm -hmm. So do you, so do you see sort of the, um, and this is how I see it. Do you see like the, the main um, backbone of this sort of like decentralized, like distributed network of applications and financial applications being Ethereum, Zcash and Bitcoin? Do you, do you think with the three, we need room for anything else? Or do you think we cover all our bases here? Um, those are the three that I pay the most attention to because they have the most sort of energy, you know, the most people building on top of them and, and extending them. Um, whatever other things we need, they might be buildable either on top of some combination of those three, right? Like a different application. Mm -hmm. um, or if it's an actual extension to the consensus protocol, then... Um, then then one of those three might extend to it, right? Because Ethereum is pursuing a whole bunch of radical extensions and innovations in their consensus protocol, like switching to proof of stake and sharding. And Bitcoin is steadfastly not changing the consensus protocol 
in a backwards compatible incompatible way at all. But people are building sort of extensions on top of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zcash, we aim to sort of fall between those two extremes in our style. Um, in the trade-off between stability and innovation, we intend to be more quickly evolving than Bitcoin, but more slowly evolving than Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So we could uh, we could upgrade. We could try to upgrade Zcash. I don't. I no longer have sole control over it. Right? Like <laughs> I lost control of Zcash on October 28 of 2016, and now um, whatever I decide to do. I get to do only if I can get enough people who want to do it with me. Um, but one thing I would like to do and hope to get people to do it with me is make backwards incompatible upgrades to the Zcash protocol. So you'd like to, is, is there a certain direction you'd like to go? Before, I guess that's essentially you want to introduce hard forks into the Zcash protocol. Mm-hmm. And I guess, can you, can you address what those may be. And I had a, a quick question, maybe after that, it may not be so quick, but what's the difference between zero knowledge proofs and like um, ring signatures, like what Monero implements? Why are you like, that's the other privacy cryptocurrency out there. Yep. That seems to be very similar to y'all, but different in terms of its capabilities. Yeah. Um, wait, do you, which one do you want me to answer first? I guess let's continue along the conversation of uh, like the hard forks that you'd like to implement into Zcash because I know people would definitely be interested, but let's um, try and find a way to shift it to to that afterwards. Okay. Um, I have one specific idea. We have quite a few specific ideas of hard forks we'd like to add or soft forks, whatever, of, of backwards incompatible upgrades that we'd like to do to Zcash. Um you know, it's really early days in terms of the science and in terms of the the market and the developer community. It's like we really know very little about what's possible and what's impossible scientifically and what people want in the world and what they don't want. Um, and, you know, in five or ten years, I think we will have learned some really great breakthroughs. There's all these potential breakthroughs from in the science world, like... Um, you know, protocols like Ghost slash Casper slash whatever kind of DAG protocol that they're pursuing, they're researching for Ethereum um, and Bitcoin NG from um, Cornell researchers, which, and there's a whole lot more like that. There's a whole lot of ideas that are being studied by scientists or hackers that aren't yet proved out in detail. Um, but in five or 10 years, a lot of those things will be known. And then old-fashioned protocols like first-generation blockchain protocols like Bitcoin, you know, original Bitcoin and original Ethereum and original Zcash will seem really antiquated um, and limited. So I totally want to be open to uh, backwards incompatible protocol changes uh, just because I think science will advance rapidly over the next few years. Hmm. And I mean, you don't have to change the protocol, but if you don't, and instead we launch a new blockchain with a new improved protocol that has better functionality and better features, then you can just start using that instead. And that has a similar effect as upgrading the protocol of your current blockchain, but you just don't 
you know, port over all of the current um, owners and users. Mm -hmm. uh, but your question was, what specific example, uh, like backward incompatible upgrades, do I want to advocate for Zcash? And the one that I'm thinking of is a um, a garbage collection cycle, where every year or so uh, we expire all of the old state and all of the old um, notes. And notes is uh, notes is what is the word we use for coins because coins mm -hmm. have like a fixed amount, like twenty five cents or five cents or whatever. But notes have a variable or not variable, but an arbitrary amount that you can write in on them. Connotation is slightly different, yeah. So we call them notes in the Zcash protocol. But I want to advocate for a, a, a system where every Zcash wallet that has a Zcash spending key, you know, a private key, it has to be connecting to the blockchain regularly, like at least once a year. And every year or so, we garbage collect all old state, that everything that didn't connect to the blockchain and get refreshed within the last year. And then we can, this gives several advantages, and the biggest one is that then we can um, combine that with requiring Zcash wallets to uh, post an anonymous statement of how much Zcash they control. And that way everyone can sum up all of the amount of Zcash that, that got that uh, what, what was proven to be live during the last garbage collection period. And that's just a, sort of a way to like quell any people who might come forward in the future and be like, oh, no, 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 Zuko and his friends, they've secretly inflated the amount of Zcash out there. Like, so that would be more right. of a way to... It's not, just, it's not just like what you're alluding to is the fact that we had to create this public key and we could have, if we all colluded, all six of the people involved of whom I was one, if we all colluded together, we could have generated a, some, a, something called, we call the toxic waste private key, which would allow counterfeiting of Zcash. Mm -hmm. And since I was there and I didn't, you know, and I, I, I actually went ahead and shut down my computer and deleted the, the, the shard that mm -hmm. would have gone in to the toxic waste. Therefore, I know that it didn't happen, even if the other five people colluded in any way, I trust them that they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't necessarily expect everyone else in the world to feel the same way about me and them as I feel about um, them. We all know Peter Todd isn't going to. Peter Todd would have loved the chance to say something negative about it. So I, mean, <laughs> I think I, that I, guy enjoys saying negative things. <laughs> oh, he, he enjoys things in general. Yes, he does. We love Peter Todd on the show. Uh, <laughs> but so I don't like, I but Peter Todd has said something about this because, you know, he was one of the six participants himself and he said mm -hmm. something about it, which is, which is accurate, which is that we can't prove that the six of us didn't in fact collude and secretly do something other than we, we claimed that we did. And we can provide such evidence as we have, like his attestation about what he did that weekend and my attestation about what I did. And, and mine is going to come with a whole bunch of videos, so you can watch like 20 consecutive hours of me sitting around waiting for my, <laughs> for, waiting for my computer to finish generating the thing, and then you can watch me like shutting it off. But um, but that doesn't really prove that I didn't cheat and like the whole video wasn't a fake, right? You can't you can't prove that with with math. Um, 
So, yes, you're exactly right that if we upgraded Zcash to have a regular cycle of required upgrades from all um, wallets, and then we also required that if you uh, want to keep your money, you have to, your wallet, if your wallet wants to keep your money, then it has to post an anonymous declaration of how much money it is. Then everyone would be able to sum up the number of those, the sum of those anonymous declarations, and they would be able to tell if there were counterfeiting, that number would exceed the limit. Because Zcash will eventually have 21 million coins, just like Bitcoin will eventually have 21 million coins. So there's a, there's a fixed supply curve that you could know what the limit ought to be according to math. And this would allow you to confirm that the limit is that, or is, is that the amount of Zcash that's out there is less than that limit. It would also tell you the amount of Zcash that was accidentally lost that year, which I think is very interesting because with Bitcoin, you can't be sure, right? As every year that goes by and like a million or however many millions of, of Bitcoins have remained idle for N plus one years, then you can get more and more suspicious that those bitcoins have been lost but you never know for sure if they're not in fact in in long-term storage and might suddenly move again um, and i think that's a harmful source of uncertainty because different people can have different can ascribe different um probabilities to those to that but if if a lot of Bitcoin turns out to be still alive, which people were previously considering to have been lost, then that effectively changes the monetary base. It changes the actual supply of Bitcoin. It changes the value of Bitcoin with regard to everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and I think economically that kind of, it's okay with me if people make bets and then, you know, they have uncertainty, they make bets and then they, it comes out they find out that they were right or wrong. But it bothers me if everyone in the same system that's kind of linked together uh, could turn out to be wrong in the same way at the same time. Because um, that could that could wrong foot all sorts of, any, any long-term contracts or um, plans that were encoded uh, using Bitcoin as the unit of account. Um, which, unfortunately, there probably aren't that many. I think, you know, Unit of account probably comes last, but in terms of the uses of money, store of value, medium of exchange, and unit of account. So, okay. <laughs> Sorry, so, I'm just rambling. Now no, I switched. No. We were talking about protocol upgrades, and I'm talking about economics. Well, no, I want. I'm actually going to tap into that a little bit, and I want you to keep that same energy, but I want you to redirect your focus and, and, and put on your uh, advisor cap, if you will. Okay. With this next question, and and say I'm a young, not even young. I'm just a developer, and I'm looking to start something funky and fresh. And that's the early '90s slang version of those words. <laughs> that's not what they and, still say. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's exactly what the kids are saying in the streets right oh, now. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Good. Good, because I, I never it noticed it was on one gone. of those viney clips. <laughs> Anyways, oh. so. <laughs> I'm looking to build something nice, 
and and I'm interested in building something, something great, some new startup on Zcash. Mm. What's your advice? Um, and how many lawyers should I get? Oh, uh, yeah. you shouldn't get lawyers right away when you're making a startup. I don't think because they're too expensive, and you know, yeah, you got to know how to use lawyers. There's an important <laughs> lesson since I, since you asked me to give advice to a random hypothetical young or funky person. Um, <laughs> funky fresh. and fresh, funky yeah. and fresh, and possibly yeah. not, the but not necessarily young. Uh, <laughs> the advice is. Never ask a lawyer if a thing is safe because the answer is always no. Instead, ask them what is the safest way to do this thing and what risks would remain. Hmm. But in addition to that, you really don't shouldn't start your startup. So I shouldn't go ask lawyers. lawyers. So, so I shouldn't start a DAO on Zcash and just hope for the best. A DAO. Man, I don't know about DAOs. <laughs> I don't know, man. I should, you said I shouldn't just ask any lawyers. I should just do it. So maybe I'll just do it. I don't know. You should. I, 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 all right. So I'm going to give you entrepreneurial advice, not legal okay, advice. Great. All right. Um, uh, you said you wanted to start something up on Zcash. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not like, uh, I don't think I know. I don't think I have particular insights into business opportunities and business um, practices that you ought to use. Uh, what I would want to do if I were starting a new thing is I would want to find something that I both loved and cared about personally that either scratched my own itch uh, mm-hmm. or that I felt passionate about and that I also had good reason to believe was important to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, the, so I guess like, I guess a good question would be like, what, what would be something cool you could see being used for like zero? Like for instance, I know you're really into like, uh, like, you know, health and nutrition and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of using zero knowledge proof, zero knowledge proofs to track provenance of like mm-hmm. livestock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, that's interesting. Like that, like that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Like, like, that might be an opportunity because zero knowledge proofs are, the Zcash is the first application of them, but mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it continues to prove out, you know, that it actually works and, and people don't find a fatal flaw in it or something like that, then it might open the door to, to more applications of zero knowledge proofs because zero knowledge proofs are a very general purpose thing. They're kind of like, oh, this goes back to a technical question you asked earlier. What's the difference between, uh, zero knowledge proofs and ring signatures? And the answer is ring signatures are a way to, um, sign a message with one out of a certain number of private keys. So like there's 10 or 100 private keys and you have one of them and you sign the message with yours and then uh, nobody can tell which private key out of that set of 10 or 100 private keys is the one that signed the message. Make sense? And a zero knowledge proof is a very general thing where how do I put this? So, 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 if you signed a message, someone comes along and they and they verify that the message was signed, right? So they're learning that the message was signed by one of the keys, but they're not learning which one of the keys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, a zero knowledge proof is, in some sense, a generalization of that, 
where I prove something, you come along to verify the thing that I proved, and you are able to verify that that, that is correct, that that thing was proved, and you're not able to learn anything else other than what you were supposed to learn. And you can do this not only for which one out of 10 keys signed a message, but for other things like um, either key A or keys B and C or three out of 10 other keys. That's what signed the message. And then you can verify arbitrary other things like, was that? I'm sorry. As a generalization, would you say, like, I come from a, a, a physics background and yeah. like from, from physics or information theory, would you say that the entropy of zero knowledge proofs is greater than that of like ring signatures from Monero? Like, uh, I don't know what you mean by entropy. The amount of information available to the observer is larger for ring signatures. Um, it's like this. If you, I'm struggling to figure out how to explain. If you use ring signatures as a tool, they're not enough to do what you want. And like, for for example, for a cryptocurrency. So the simplest behavior of a cryptocurrency is um, <clears throat> an, an exchangeable, fungible asset. That's what Bitcoin mm -hmm. and Zcash are trying to do. <clears throat> so, um. If you just have ring signatures, that doesn't do that. You need to add um, something else. <laughs> so with, I guess, the generalization of Zcash, you're, you have greater functionality. And yeah, I'm struggling to doing. explain this. Like you can, you can using a zero knowledge proof, you can prove an arbitrary thing. Like I signed a number, and that number was less than a million and it was a multiple of seven. And then I can prove that and then you can um, <clears throat> you can verify uh, the proof. And you can say, yeah, this this you know this public key, whoever controls the private key, they must have signed a number and put the number in this ciphertext and that number must have been a multiple of seven and it must have been less than a million. But we don't learn anything else. And my point is you can specify whatever rules you want, and then you can implement a zero-knowledge proof that proves just whatever specified by those rules. And so my point is, when you brought up health as a topic, I think health is a huge issue and a huge um, opportunity um, and, a, and a huge industry in our modern world. And uh, wait, who was it? Was it? It was D who brought up this as a, yeah. as a topic. Like, um, you could imagine using zero knowledge proofs to prove, like, what did you bring up, D? It was uh, prescriptions or? Oh, provenance. That was oh, provenance. That was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you could use zero knowledge proofs to prove something like this shipment of this product or medicine or whatever um, came from one of these 10 authorized suppliers and it comes with a uh, a stamp of having been inspected or notarized by some authorized inspector or whatever um, and you could make a zero knowledge proof that proves just that thing without revealing sensitive commercial information mm -hmm. does that make sense 
So the, what I was getting at, and just in general, is if you have an idea for some kind of business which uh, has a novel confidentiality and integrity requirement, like you've got to track provenance or something, uh, but you also want to control, you, you can't just publish all the information to, to like a public blockchain. In that case, you should look at zero-knowledge proofs as a new but potentially flexible tool that can uh, be used for such applications. Um, I think we have everything else here. As far as as far as Zcash and like services or any other sort of like plugs, is there was there anything else that you would possibly want to mention or any projects you would want to like give some love to before we close out of here? And um, oh my God, and, we're almost done. I haven't even gotten to the good part yet oh wait what's the good part get into that oh it was just i was thinking of something when you said uh like uh uh, people starting new projects or developers like people who want to develop some new thing uh one Mm -hmm. idea is check out the zcash encrypted memo field Mm -hmm. do you know about that that's um so like a way to be able to like send messages like in between like the transactions yeah, like um, every transaction comes with this field that you can put an arbitrary message into, and then the recipient of the transaction can see the message. Mm-hmm. And then also, if the recipient of the transaction discloses the decryption key to someone else, then the other person can see the message. Mm-hmm. Which is what we, we call the selective disclosure. And also, by the way, selective disclosure isn't actually implemented in the current API, but will be soon, mm-hmm. I hope. That'd be, that'd be a cool thing for some sort of like, you know, like secure messaging service where like if you could like, you know, sec- create like a secure like channel, like by like, depositing like some Zcash and then yeah. you just message, message each other amongst that channel. Exactly. Just, so there's some yeah. really interesting things that come with this is like there's two or three different things that you get all at once with the encrypted mm-hmm. memo field. One is the encryption, which is a you know simple, well-understood thing that you've we've had for like decades. That you get privacy where the thing's encrypted, and you also get selective disclosure where you can reveal the thing to one person or to another person, and then they get to see it. But at the same time, you also get the blockchain effect, which is that the thing is canonical and is sort of like petrified into history, and nobody can. Um, go back and change their story or show one story to one person and a different story to a different person. So I don't know what you... And then the third thing that you get with it is, like you were saying, payments come with it already built in. Um, So you can imagine putting some kind of data into the encrypted memo fields, which you don't want to reveal this data to the public, at least not yet, but later, you're going to reveal the data to some particular parties, or even you might later reveal it to the whole public after it's already been baked into the blockchain. It's an interesting possibility. So that uh, the part about selectively disclosing to third parties is not mm-hmm. supported in the API. It's actually kind of latent in the protocol, but the, mm-hmm. the RPC API doesn't have a command for it yet. Um, but the part about sending and receiving encrypted messages along with your payment is supported. And so check it out. 
Yeah, definitely perfect. I can think of many applications. Yeah, think of something awesome to build on that because I'm curious what you can build with that. <laughs> well, uh, did you did you fellas have any more questions before we uh, before we get out of here and close out to the uh, outro music and stuff? My curiosity is satiated. Okay. Cool. Good Thanks good. a lot, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And um, you know, please, uh, you know, come back on the show. You know, in a couple of months, once you know more developers and more more cool, interesting things are like uh, come bubbling up in Zcash. Yeah. We can, yeah. We can That's what I want to see. I mean, it's only a month old, um, and there's already been yeah. a ton of different companies adding support for it and stuff. So I'm really hopeful that we'll get an explosion of developers doing awesome hacks. Well, if it's like anything else in this in this uh, in this group, the 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 velocity in which things move accelerates very rapidly. Yeah. Okay. It was great. Thanks, y'all. Excellent. Thank you. I get off my eyeballs for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you.